You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, it's good to have Barb. She's going to be sharing first, and then Michelle Dibdahl will be sharing after. Just open your hearts. Let's be receptive to all that the Word of the Lord has for us this morning. God bless you. This is called pressing on to know the Lord. I woke up with a thought strongly in my heart. It was that God's intentions toward me never change. Only the actions he takes in response to my actions to him and life are what change to bring about the good. That's what he means when he says, I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye are not consumed. Malachi 3.6 as Clay Orlander said, I want to acknowledge Father, through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that was you and my family, and it is you now who are bringing me victoriously to completion in you. Please be glorified as I share in Jesus' name. As I was preparing to share, I read a devotional that said, God purifies parents as they seek him, which in turn makes their parenting better. I believe it. If my spiritual life isn't getting deeper day by day, how can I help my children in a lasting, meaningful way? The good news is I can start growing in God any time, and it will trickle down to my children, my grandkids, and my spiritual kids even now. The basis for my young Christian life was and still is. May we change to the first slide, please? Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. That's Proverbs 3, 5 in the Passion Translation. This was a totally new concept to me, but but I needed to have a new way of life and trusting the person who saved me instead of myself was where he started me. I knew I needed his guidance. I ended up a single parent in an abusive marriage. And the statistics on single parenting weren't good. I didn't want criminals or my children to go toward any kind of darkness. And I had prayed for them even in the womb. So God's promise was a blessing and a relief. The promise I relied on, maybe have a second slide, please. The promise I relied on for my kids was Isaiah 54:13, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. I grew up on King James. So, so that's why a lot of these are King James. This includes grandchildren and spiritual sons and daughters. Taught means instructed. Of here means sought by the Lord but I first had to teach them about the Lord. When kids were little, it meant loving them and letting them know they were each special. I used to tell my oldest that he was my favorite son named Jonathan. And on down the line, and still do sometimes, once I asked them who my favorite child was and they said all of us, message getting through. Before I go on to the next part, I need to say that it was as I was sitting here this morning, 
I heard that and was reminded that we are the, the priests of our home and we are the prophets to our home. So that's where this is coming from. As they grew, I began teaching them the ways of the Lord and modeling God's grace as well as discipline. During seven of their early years, we were in a Christian cult. And when the boys and I left, I asked the Lord how to keep on track, learning about him and his ways so they didn't think this God's stuff was wrong. We had the discipline of getting up in time to read a chapter of the Bible most every morning. It was exciting when they began to ask questions and talk about what we had read. We also did things for others together. We took food to the church food pantry and for one whole winter we cleaned the snow off the neighbor's car before the guys went to school. She was burned out on teaching and I wanted her to know all the kids were not bad. There were times when they did something wrong and God told me in my heart to address it, but to suspend discipline in favor of mercy, explaining to them about God's mercy towards us and how he wanted me to be merciful to them. This time, the time I'm remembering now is when Jonathan, who was never defiant, walked out of the house in defiance after being put in the corner. God told me to go after him, asking him to please come back in. I was led to ask him why he disobeyed, and the Lord told him, me to give him understanding and mercy. Then he went back to the corner. As a godly parent, the Lord taught me to listen from my heart. Andrew would come in wanting to talk about his day for an hour. The first half hour we'd sit together, and the last half hour, I asked him if he would mind joining me in the kitchen while I started supper. And he did. He couldn't seem to go play until he shared everything about his day. I also had to address their hurt, anger, and fear over their dad and our separation. When they were acting out, God gave me specific instructions on dealing with their hurt before I dealt with their behavior. I apologized to each of them more than once and asked forgiveness for hurting them. Then God would show me what to do. At Christmas one year, Micah's teacher said he was showing, he was shoving people. And if it continued in the new year, he'd be in the principal's office. She said the only reason he wasn't in the principal's office already was because I had told her about the situation at the beginning of the year and said if he became difficult to let me know. So she gave me the Christmas season. I asked God, what now? And he said to just pray and love Micah, and he was fine when he went back to school. When Jonathan was 16, a family we loved was moving across country. Jonathan was very upset as the dad had been a real help to him. God said to talk to him about friendships and people coming in and out of our lives. We can be thankful and remember the good, or we can keep ourselves from the hurt by closing ourselves off. I told him he needed to choose. He came back later in the week and said he still wanted friendships. 
The Lord said in my heart to tell them that when they finished growing up, God meant for each of them to be their own person and that they would be best, be best friends and be able to work very well together. Needless to say, the best friends part was not well received when they were in their teens. But now, at their dad's funeral service a couple of years back, one of his relatives asked how all the guys could pull together so well during that last month, and I got to share a bit. When the guys became adults, it meant and still means helping them think through their choices or opportunities by listening and being a safe place, and when talking things over, keeping what God's word says at the forefront of my questions or comments, praying fervently for them, rejoicing or mourning with them, and loving them as is. God is the one who changes their hearts. Proverbs 22.6, King James, is also included. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm still holding for that for each of them. Complacency here would never be good. But well, what helped keep me to keep growing through these years? Could we have the next slide, please? Thank you. Proverbs 19, Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I phrase it this way, nothing, nothing, nothing shall offend them. Is this instantaneous or easy? Not at all. I used to make this a sing-song little ditty because it helped me remember what I was believing for. The nothing started out with things like how I responded when our children misbehaved in public. It touched on pride and wanting to be a perfect parent. Once God said in my heart that even he didn't look like a good parent sometimes if you base it on the behavior of his kids, and he is a perfect father. I had to learn to trust father with our children physically after losing two. God said in my heart that he would watch over them if I wouldn't hold on so tightly. Nothing includes hurts inflicted or self-inflicted over a lifetime. Evil done to me, including the abuse of marriage. Evil done to my children. I had to trust Father God to heal their hearts. The issue of the stroke and the healing, financial battles, blessings given to others. For example, my sister and her hubby had great, a great time going on a Mexican and, and a Mediterranean cruise. I had to decide with the Lord that I was going to be happy for, for them because I have my own blessings that are appropriate for me. Someone's off day spilling on me. Someone I never expected found walking in sin, etc. Nothing also includes wrong teaching I've had that I've had to unlearn. And Jesus' truth revealed regularly today by the Holy Spirit that is different than the way I understood the Bible. This verse is proving to be a reality in my life over the course of my lifetime. It comes to pass more and more as I choose to believe and trust God to help me. Can we change slides again, please? 
God helps me act on James 1 through through 4. Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But the endurance and steadfastness and patience do a thorough work so you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. This morning as I was reading, I also came upon another scripture that says almost the same thing. Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I continue to work out hurts, jealousy, envy, fear of being deceived, frustration over not understanding what God says or when I fall short on obeying God's word, and more. I am aiming for a hard attitude that glorifies my Lord throughout my life, and he will get me there because this is the last scripture, please. Could we have the last scripture, please? Thank you. Hebrews 12, 2 reminds me to look away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our or my faith, giving the first incentive for my belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. What God has done and continues doing for me and for my family, he can continue to do for you. Look to Jesus, whatever your situation. He is mighty to save. Um, Thank you, Barb. That was awesome. And and I, too, from what I'm going to share is stuff I'm having to unlearn also. So I understand that perfectly. Um, Mine is, let my faith be bigger than my fear. And I even have a little plaque to remind me of this. It's in my office. When I, when I discover things that really encourage me and help me, I stick them around wherever I can get them because I need those reminders constantly because I am still in the process, still on the journey, and I even have my shirt on today, fear or faith over fear. Thanks to Miss Ann. <laughs> Um, the scripture that I'd like to share, some of the scriptures that I'd like to share this morning are about the freedom from fear and learning to lean into God with my faith and knowing who I am, Papa, God's daughter. And again, I'll say good morning. My name is Michelle Dibdahl. I am the daughter of the Most High God. I have struggled with fear or worry since I can remember, and I think I shared that with my testimony back in December, fear of God fear of eternal punishment, fear of not being good enough, fear of disappointing people, fear of disappointing my teachers growing up early. You name it, I worried about it all. I was afraid of everything. Even started getting a little bit OCD. No, I probably had a lot of OCD, if ask my mother. Um, but I was fe- fearful of everything. 
Um, I think the church, the, the atmosphere of the church that I was in, and uh, grandfather, I didn't, I never lived with my dad, so I didn't have a dad to get approval or disapproval from. Um, and my grandfather, who was closest to me, um, was very conditional in his acceptance, approval. You didn't get it a lot. If you didn't tow the line with him, then you were on his, his out list. So, you know, I didn't have a really good view of that. So there was a lot of fear instilled in me. The one scripture I can remember hearing early on and quoted a lot to myself about fear was Isaiah 41.10. I think, yeah. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, this is a biblical scripture. It is an Old Testament scripture. I, I hung on to that. And I knew it was true, but I think it went only as far as my head and never sank into my heart. Um, and I think, like I said before, a lot of that was from the church atmosphere and, and kind of some of the father things going on. Um, but I grew up believing that God was judgmental and he was fierce. I didn't see the loving side of God, Jesus, until much, much later. So it was difficult to let go of the fear, even though he said, do not fear. How could I trust God that I'm scared of? How could I let go of a fear that I was scared of him? <laughs> so, you know, even though I try to quote that to try to give me some, mm, it still just, it, it didn't help the problem a whole lot. Another scripture that I learned and used was, and this is the NIV, I learned it in the NIV translation, but as I was looking it up, I really liked the passion. And this 1 John 4, 16 through 19, and it says, but love's perfect perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of, whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. Again, I knew that was truth, and I tried to hang on to that. But because I really didn't have the kind of relationship with God that I didn't understand his perfect love, I didn't understand that he was loving towards me, and that when I, you know, when I had confessed my sins and accepted him, I was a part of him. I didn't understand that. So even this scripture, even though I knew it was truth, you know, I still struggled with it. And when I seen the perfection where it says, I has not reached love's perfection, well, I thought I failed again. It was all on me. I was taking it all on me this time. Um, several years ago, I think two or three, I can't remember for sure, um, and at a More Love, More Power conference that I just talked about earlier, um, Jeremy, Jeremy Riddle was the songwriter, or the, the worship leader that, that time, one of the services, the first one we were at. And he sang the, sang the song, and I don't know if I put him up or not, I can't remember, Susie, if I gave you those or not. Nope. Okay, I didn't. I was going to, and I, did, I changed my mind. But anyway, um, he, he, he sang the song, No Longer Slave to Fear. Everybody knows that one probably. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> well, no, that's a quote. That doesn't go yet. <laughs> but I had the song written up. But the song goes like this. I think I wrote that down. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think the reason that, that this song made such a difference is because, you know, I've been having work, God working on my heart, learning more who I am, accepting 
myself more, understanding who, that God did love me. So I felt like my heart was listening when I heard that song, when, him, when he was singing that, and, and my heart was more receptive. So, so I got this, anyway, it just was more open to it, I guess. You unravel me with the melody. And I don't know about you guys, but I have had more healings or more insight and more Lord speaking to me during music and worship than probably about any other time. It is powerful, powerful. So you unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears have gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into a family. Your blood throws, flows through my veins. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am surrounded. Oh, see, I didn't grow up with a dad, so this was like eye-opening, heart-opening. I just, I am surrounded by the arms of the Father. I am surrounded by songs of deliverance. I've been liberated from my, our, my bondage. We're the sons and the daughters. Let us sing our freedom. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. You drowned my fears in perfect love. You rescued me, and I will stand and sing. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. I am a child of God, full of faith. Not fear, full of faith. Yes, I am a child of God. Um, after I, after, during that song, we, it was a, we were all worshiping. He didn't just sing it. But at, while we were worshiping, I got this picture. And I think I, did I put that in there too, Susie? I made several of them. I kept taking things out, put things in. But anyway, I got this picture of, of me standing in the middle of the sea. The sea had been split. And I was walking through it. And I had the chains that I had of fear. They had broken, and they were laying on, on the sandy ground. And the word fear, that I had walked through that sea. He had split it so that I could walk right through it. I could let my fears go, and he could cover it. And I wouldn't have it anymore. So I really grasped a hold of that. Um, so that was the beginning. That didn't just take away every single fear I was ever going to fear again. <laughs> Obviously not, because I wouldn't be up standing up here. I'd be a little nervous. Um, but it was a beginning, and it was a mark. I have not forgot that. And I did. I drew a picture. I don't think I, I, I guess I didn't put the picture in this one, did I, Susie? Yeah. I had went home, and I like to sketch a little bit of things that I, that I get from God. That way I can remember them. Like I, it's like, you know, back in the Old Testament, when they got a revelation or something really momentous happened, you know, they built an altar so they would remember it. Yeah, so I drew this picture, and, and it's, it, it's more cemented in my mind. I didn't forget it. I know a lot of people journal, and I do journal, but not as much as some people do. But So, I, you know, both of them is great. However, however you can do to remember things that are momentous in your life or revelations. Okay, um, in Romans, it's in Romans uh, 8, 15 through 17, and I have NIV at first because that's the one I was more familiar with. Says we have come into an, an intimate experience with God's love. That's what I needed to happen first, and we trust in the love He has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. 
By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly, that we may fearlessly, I'm going to say it again because I'm going to stick it in hard again, face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. The spirit you received does not make you slaves. <laughs> so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And I think we sang about that this morning, about being not being orphans any longer and being heirs to the Lord. I needed to, I needed to know those things. I needed to know who God was, that he was love, because I didn't learn that he was God was love. I remember seeing it, I was thinking this morning when I was rereading my notes and I had my devotions, I, we used to sing, praise him, praise him, all you little children, God is love. We sang that, but man, I didn't know it. I didn't know that. It was like the opposite, you know? I, I, I just, so over, over, God has pursued me, pursued me, pursued me, and wooed me, wooed me, wooed me. I know that he is a God of love now. I do know he's a God of love. And I know that he loves me. And I know I've been adopted by him. And I am his child. I want to read that also in a Passion Translation. The mature children of God, by 60 I should be mature. <laughs> the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. I think that's kind of what I learned as a young child was the spirit of religious duty. But I didn't receive that. No. It says, But you received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father, and I would probably say beloved papa. For the most Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself, and since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his suffering as our own. Again, I said this is a journey, this is a process, but I, I believe finding this was the key, and I needed to believe that this was the truth. Uh, now, it, since if you put up, that, when I'm putting up the, the quote by Jeremy Riddle, he said, we're no longer slaves to fear. That doesn't mean that we're emotionless, however, or now, or never face fear. It just means that we don't have to obey it. So that kind of gave me some 
freedom there just in that alone because otherwise I kept thinking every time I got fearful, I thought, well, there you blew it. You really didn't sit in. It didn't sink. You know, you didn't get it again, Michelle. But that's not true. Um, Susie, if you wouldn't mind putting the next slide up. Obey means to adhere to, to comply with, to conform to, to follow. So the fear can come up, but if I don't conform to it, if I don't, if, if I don't comply with it, and if I don't follow that fear, then I can go to somewhere, and I can go to the Father. I can go to the person who is perfect love, and that is God. Um, last week, and the, an example of that is last week, um, in, in the evening, I left work, and um, so, somebody told me, somebody had shared something with me, that, that someone that I know real well, and um, there was a circumstance that seemed to be iffy for them, and, but um, I could feel that fear kind of start to creep in my heart. And, and my husband can confirm to this. When I've had, been really wrought with fear, it affects me, doesn't it, honey? It has affected me physically, emotionally. I just almost, sometimes I had gotten so almost like I couldn't move. It just had, you know, I was absorbed with it. And this hadn't happened quite, but it put a cloud on my whole evening. And I just thought, oh, you know, I don't want this. And, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as it used to be. So progress, getting better, getting better. But it still kind of clouded my evening. And it, that concerned me, and I didn't like that feeling. The next morning I got up and I had, went, went to the Lord and, and um, just sitting there on the couch. And I just said, God, I, I can't do this. I just can't do this. Please help me. And, you know, <laughs> he did. It's just like kind of that. Okay, you asked, and I'm going to take this away from you. And I hadn't worried about it since. I mean, it was just like a peace just came into my heart. And it's just, it's just so, I, like I said, this is a process. I need to keep looking to the Lord and turning more and more, more to Him um, every time to experience less fear, less worry, and doubt. Oh, by the way, I read somewhere that doubt is a cousin to fear. So that's something that I'm going to put in with all this, too. Um, I need to always run to the one who is perfect love. And I need to do it not the next morning. I need to do it as soon as it comes up. I need to run to the perfect love right at the moment and cry, you know? So um, I want my faith to be bigger than my fear. I like, I'm sorry, I like show and tell things. <laughs> um, I need the reminders. I really need the reminders. And so... You know, I believe that when, when the Lord's working on something to kind of push something out, and I think this is scriptural, that you're pushing something out that's not good, you want to bring something good in, right? Okay, which instead of having been fearful, I want to be filled with faith. I really want to be filled with faith. And, I, and, I'm, and, I, and I've, got it, I've got it started. But I want to share what, um, I looked up one of David's prayers, and that's Psalm 86, 1 through 4, and this is a, a Passion Translation. And yeah, do you have that? I was only going to read part of it. I've only put part of it up. Thank you. But as I was reading this morning, I just thought I'd reread the whole thing. And I can really identify with David. <laughs> you know, he kind of did this. <laughs> you know, sometimes he was really fervent and he was ready to go. And he was all about, you know, he was feeling good. And then he'd be worried about the enemies. And then he'd get kind of down on himself. And then he'd get up again. And this, and this passage does that. But it shows his faith. It shows he keeps turning to the perfecter of love, the perfecter of his heart, the person who loves him most. 
And there's some things in here that I could, would have liked to skip over. Look, I'm thinking, well, he's going back again. But no, wait a minute, he, went, he went again. But you'll, you'll, as, as I read, you'll, you'll hear it. Lord, bend down to listen to my prayer. I am in deep trouble. I'm broken and humbled. And I desperately need your help. Guard my life. For I am your faithful friend, your loyal servant for life. I turn to you in faith, my God, my hero. Come and rescue me. Lord God, hear my constant cry for help. Show me your favor and bring me to your fountain of grace. Restore joy to your loving service once again. For all I am is yours, O oh God. I think that's where I ended on there, but I want to read on a little more. Lord, you are so good to me, so kind in every way, and ready to forgive. For your grace fountain keeps overflowing, drenching, all your lovers who pray to you. God, don't you pay attention to this God, won't you pay attention to this urgent cry? Lord, bend down to listen to my prayer. Whenever trouble start, strikes, I will keep crying out to you. For I know your help is on the way. God, there's no one like you. There's no other God as famous as you. You outshine all others, and your miracles made it easy to know you. Lord Almighty, you are the one who created all the nations. Look at them. They are all on their way. Yes, the day will come when they all will worship you. And put your glory on display. You are the only, you are the one and only God. What miracles, what wonders, what greatness belongs to you. Teach me more about you, how you work and how you move, so that I can walk onward in your truth until everything within me brings honor to your name. With all my heart and passion, I thank you, my God. I will give glory to your name always and forever. You love me so much, and you placed your greatness upon me. You rescued me from the deepest place of darkness, and you have delivered me from a certain death. God, look at how these arrogant ones have defied me. Like a vicious band of violent men, they have tried to kill me. They wouldn't worry for a moment that they were sinning against you. But Lord, you're nurturing. There he goes. He's going back. But Lord, your nurturing love is tender and gentle. You are slow to get angry, yet so swift to show your faithful love. You are abounding. You're, you are full of abounding grace and truth. Bring me to your grace fountain so that your strength becomes mine. Be my hero and come rescue your servant once again. Send me a miraculous sign to show me how much you love me so that those who hate me will see it and be ashamed. Don't they know that you, Lord, are my comforter, the one who comes to help me? Amen. David knew who to turn to. He did. Even when, even when he made mistakes, when people were coming against him, you know, he had, he, had some, he, he had a lot, but he still knew who loved him the most, who cared for him the most. He knew who the per perfect love was. And, you know, I really, that's, that's how I want to be. I, I want to I be like David. I want to turn to the Lord, the perfecter, of, the perfecter of my faith. And I'm like, Barb shared that today and also Chuck shared that last week. He's the author and perfecter of my faith. And I want to have the faith that I can, in my heart deep, so that it pushes out fear, that it continues to put, get, my faith gets deeper and truer and more, so that it pushes out the fear at some point completely. Um, 
And now I can go back and just want to say this. I can now go back and read the ones I read at the beginning. If I can find my notes. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I can believe that now because I know who Papa is. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.